Good morning, Grace Life Online. We're so glad you are here with us this morning to worship together, to enjoy this virtual community that we found ourselves in. Uh, none of us thought we were going to be like this. We thought we had another week or two uh, before we had to even consider this. But obviously with the governor's announcement this past week, uh, we find ourselves in this virtual environment this morning. But I'm so glad you are here. I'm so glad you found your, your way to our uh, little online service this morning, that you can be a part of what we are doing to proclaim God's word and to proclaim his greatness and his glory to the world around us. Uh, we're going to be meeting this way for the next few weeks. I hope that you're okay with that. Uh, we don't know when this is going to when this is going to end. Uh, we don't know when we're going to be able to come together again as the as the bride of Christ, as the church. But we are going to be meeting like this, and this is going to be a great time. Uh, I don't know if we're going to if we're going to try to have some live music from time to time. We don't know if it's going to be this week, next week, uh, when it's going to exactly happen. But we're working hard as a church, as your church, to bring all this together. I uh, hope that you are okay this morning. Uh, I want to encourage you a couple of things as you come into this virtual room, this virtual environment where you find yourself. You'll notice to your right, there's a chat box. When you come into the room, say hi. When you come into the room, say hi. Say, hey, this is David. I'm here. Hope you guys are having a great day today. Just say hi like you would when you normally come into church. I hope you got your coffee in one hand and your donut in the other hand. And you just are saying hi to each other back and forth. Let us know you're here. Uh, there are some hosts who are kind of ma managing and monitoring things that are going on and being said, and they're going to help to inject some things into that chat box from time to time. Hope that you find that interactive interactivity useful. Uh, also, uh, you'll notice above me in the upper right-hand corner there, there are several links. One is to our main church website, uh, Grace Church, uh, Grace Life Church. Us. You'll find that there'll be information on there, also a link to our Facebook page. In both of those locations, we'll be putting announcements up, we'll be putting information that you need to keep tabs of. So be sure to check those sites regularly during the week. Also, you'll notice that there's a link to our online giving. During this time when we can't pass an offering plate, how do we receive offerings in? How do we continue supporting our missionaries? How do we keep the lights on and the cameras running? How do we continue doing ministry that we need to be doing? That online giving. Click on that button and you can still give your tithes and your offerings. You can have it deducted straight out of your checking account through an e-check. You can have it go out of one of your credits or your debit cards. And uh, it, it's, it's a great opportunity, a great way for you to stay connected and continue worshiping, worshiping through your giving of your tithes and offerings. Also, you notice that below me, there's a button for uh, prayer requests. If you have a prayer request, a pressing need, something that you want us to pray about, or our worship team, or prayer team, rather, to, to pray about, click that link right down below there and let us know what it is. As soon as you click send, it goes out via email to everybody on our prayer team. And we want to pray for you to know that you, so you can experience the love and power and grace of God. And if you'd like to be a part of our prayer team, if you'd like to be a part of those who are receiving their prayer requests so you can go to God and intercede on behalf of each other, let me know that as well. Send me an email, send me a text. Let me know that you want to join on our prayer team, and I'll be sure to add you to that as well. Lastly, make sure you're sharing this page with others on your social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or whatever you happen to use. Share this page so that others can participate with us in worship. Maybe there are family, there are friends who don't regularly go to church, but you share this page, and now they can tune in anonymously. They can come and check things out. They can hear the 
the gospel preached. They can hear us talk about God's word. They can hear us explain about how much God loves them. And hopefully one day they will begin to receive, they'll begin to understand that themselves and receive the glorious love of God themselves. So share, be sure to share this page on social media so others can participate with us. Moving forward, we don't, like I said, we don't know how long we're going to be meeting in this way. So moving forward, our, our regular growth groups, our Bible studies, we're going to have to find some other way to meet. Uh, we've been banned from meeting in groups of over, over 10, and God was not surprised that was going to happen. You know that God was not surprised that we were going to have to meet this way this morning. So moving forward, as we try to figure this thing out, we're going to be figuring things out for our Bible studies and our growth groups and try to meet virtually, meet in a, in, a, in a video conference format. I want to encourage you to join us. Invite others to come join us in that format as well. So contact your leader, contact your Bible study leader, so they can get you the information that you need for how to connect to that Bible study virtually uh, through your computer, your, your smartphone, your tablet uh, when that time comes. So as we get ready to start this morning, I want to let's go to God in prayer and ask him to meet us here, to meet us here this morning. We're going to invite his Holy Spirit into the room, this room I'm preaching in, as well as the room that you're participating in. We want to ask God's Holy Spirit to move this morning as we pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you, we can be a part of what you are doing around the world. Right now, this morning, as thousands and thousands of churches around this United States and around the world are meeting in virtual environments because they can't meet physically, God, I ask that you would give us a peace, that your Holy Spirit would reign in our midst, and that you would help us to sense your presence. God, we love you. We want to be challenged by your word. We want to be touched by your Holy Spirit and be moved in such a way that we are drawn to impact the world around us, the community around us that you have given to us. Let your Holy Spirit reign in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning we are continuing in our sermon series called Fresh Faith. You see behind me, Fresh Faith. It's the book of Malachi as we're working our way through that book. There's some great stuff we've learned already. We talked about how the nation of Israel has now come back to the land after 70 years in exile in Babylon. 70 years they were away from their homes, not able to experience what was familiar, much like we today. They're now come back to Israel. And the priests who were supposed to be in charge of leading the nation in worship had learned some bad habits. They learned some bad habits while they were in Babylon. They'd gotten lazy. They'd gotten apathetic. And they brought that back to Israel with them. So now as they are supposed to be leading the nation in worship of the one true God, this laziness and apathy is really stepping forward. And God kind of land blasting. He's letting them have it. He says, what do you think you're doing? See, at the beginning of Malachi's word, in chapter 1, we read over the past couple of weeks, God laid out the whole case against them. He said, you're bringing to me animals that are not worthy to be sacrificed. You're bringing to me the sick and the lame and the maimed animals. You're leading people in worship 
not honoring my name. And now here in chapter 2, he doesn't just cover it over. He lays into them. He lets them know just how far they've come from the example of Levi, their spiritual father. He lets them know that they've come so far from what he expects of his priests. And how they are true, how they're supposed to lead their community in true worship of him, the Most High God. So let's take a look here in Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, as we look at the first, first point here. It says, And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart, to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them, because they do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will, I will rebuke your offspring, and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. What's God saying here? What is it that God is laying out? He's letting the priests know, I am done with your apathy. I am done with your laziness. You need to step it up. You need to get back to what you should be doing. You need to lead my people in perfect worship of me. He said in verse 2, take it to heart. Take it to heart, he says. I will honor my name. If you will not step up and do it, I will honor my name. He's done with them putting themselves first. He's done with them just going through the motions. If they don't honor him, he says, I'm going to discipline you. Targeting the priests with his words, their apathetic leadership, leading the nation in apathetic leadership. He goes back and says, remember what happened. Remember what you remember those animals you were trying to sacrifice? I'm going to take those very feces and it's going to look like I'm going to plant them on your face. And everybody's going to know that's how I view you. That you are not bringing true worship to me. See, we need to make sure we are giving God our very best. We as the people of God need to make sure we are bringing God our very best as well. Not like these priests who are bringing God the second best, third best, the last. Make sure we are bringing God our very best. He expects nothing else. He expects nothing less from us. See, as we lead our families and our communities of worship to know, to fully know the Most High God, He expects us to bring our best to the table. He expects us to lead our families with the very best we have to offer. He expects us to, as we lead our communities in understanding who He is, that we bring our very best and not just play this little game. We need to make sure that our testimonies are such that it causes does not cause others to view God in a diminished way. See, as the priests were leading the nation in worship, their attitude was such that the nation of Israel, their attitude toward God began to diminish as well. As we look at God, and examine his holiness. He expects us to live up to that challenge. He expects us to live up to that example of holiness. See, as Christians, as believers of the Most High God, as followers of Jesus, we are to understand that we are God's representatives of his holiness being set apart. We are representatives of his love for the world. 
We are representatives of, of sharing with the world just how much he loves them. We're representatives of his grace. We're representatives of his mercy. We're representatives of his peace. In this time when there's little peace in the world around us, we are representatives of that peace. And we're also representatives of the salvation that he brings to the world for mankind. See, if God has saved us, if God has redeemed us from our sins, we are that very example to the world of how change can take place. As you know, I became a believer. I became a follower of Jesus at a very young age. I mean, how many sins could I have committed by age seven? It doesn't matter. Just one. Just one sin would have been enough to keep me out of heaven, to keep me out of the loving arms of God. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took that one sin, the second sin, the fifth sin, the tenth sin, and the multi-multi-sins I'd committed up to that point, took them away. See, it doesn't matter when a person becomes a follower of Jesus. At that moment, every single sin is done away with. That's the glorious message of salvation. But see, these priests, they'd forgotten that they were representatives. They'd forgotten that they were the representatives of God to the nation of Israel. And because of that, they were going to be humiliated by God. He was going to let them have it. Look in verse 3 again. He says, look, I'm going to rebuke your descendants, not just you, but all your descendants as well. I'm going to spread animal waste over your faces. It's be there for everybody to see. They're all going to know how much you messed up. And the waste from your animal, from your festival sacrifices, you will not be taken away with it. I'm going to let everybody see what you really are. And he was not happy with how they approached worship. He was not happy with the way they approached leading the nation in worship. How about us? During this time where we can't meet together because of the coronavirus, COVID-19, that's out there in the world and scaring everybody to death, we need to make sure that we continue to make corporate worship this time together, right now, where we're meeting together in this room, this little box room but that you're watching on, this, on your TV screen, your iPad, your phone, whatever it may be. This is our time of corporate worship that we're making these times a priority. See our little ones, maybe sitting on the couch next to you, maybe on the floor in front of you, maybe at the table with you, they're watching. How are mom and dad worshiping? Your neighbors, they may not be in the room with you, but as you talk to them, over the fence, six feet, of course, six feet apart. As you talk to them and you share with them, the messages from God's word will come out. And what message are you communicating? One of fear and anxiety? Or one of calm, peace, grace, the love of God? They're all watching. What kind of example are we sharing with the world? Let's look on a little more here in this passage, verses 4 through 7, as we look this morning, that the example that Levi set, what is it that, who is it that the priests were supposed to mimic? God referenced Levi. He says, this is your spiritual father. This is the one whose example you are to follow. 
Let's take a look at the bar, the Levi said. Understand first, he was a man of godly commitment. Because first God had committed to him, Levi was also committed to God. Verse 4 says this, Then you will know that I sent you this decree, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says Lord of Armies. See, when God makes a covenant, when God makes a covenant, he follows through. Remember the Abrahamic covenant in the Old Testament? He says, by my name, on my name, by my word, I will make sure this covenant goes forward. Usually in the Old Testament, when a covenant was made, it was two people walking together, hand in hand, down this path of dead animals cut in half and blood flowing down the middle of the trail. And they walk through the blood. They walk through that blood, holding hand in hand, trading shoes, trading some symbol of their commitment to one another. But with the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham, he says, on my name, on my word, I will make this happen. So God followed, went down that trail by himself. Abraham didn't have to go with him. Much the same way with this covenant. God made a covenant with Levi. He said, I will take care of you. I will protect you. Stay with me. And be the role model for the people. Be the role model for the children of Israel. See, what happened was the Levites were not given a portion of the land. As they went into the land under Joshua, when they came in years and years earlier, under Joshua, when they began to take over the land, each of the tribes, each of the sons, began to get portions of that land of Israel, except for Levi. Because Levi had a very important job. The land was divided up into 11 sections, and Levi had a portion, they had a little tiny spot in each one of those areas, because they had a very important job. They were to act as go-betweens, between people who had disputes of the law, they were to be the ones to communicate. This is what the law says, to go and study the Word of God, to study the Torah together. They were to be the ones to settle those disputes, to figure out what is it that God wants from us. And secondly, they were acting as the go-betweens on behalf of unholy Israel and holy God. See, we God cannot allow unholiness, sin, into His presence. And so the priests would then offer the sacrifices on the altar to cleanse the nation of Israel, to cleanse the people, so they could then come before God and make their requests. So they could come before God and worship. They could come before God and honor Him as He was due. And Levi was committed to serving in this capacity. He was committed to serving. Today, Levites aren't necessary for the church. Today, Levites aren't necessary for the body of Christ because we have an intercessor. We have a mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor. He is our mediator. He is our go-between between us and God. So now when I go to prayer, I don't have to go to stand before a man. I don't have to go before an altar. I can go directly to Almighty God. I can pray directly to God. I can lift up my requests to God. I can offer my prayers. I can ask him to forgive me my sins. I don't need to have any human intercessor because Jesus is my mediator. Jesus is my intercessor. He fulfills that function that the Levite, that the priests were supposed to fulfill. He is the great high priest, the Bible says. He is our great high priest. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity. The man, Jesus Christ. He is the only mediator we need. No one else. 
do we need? He is our representative, much like a lawyer who goes to court on my behalf and he, he defends me before the judge, before the jury. Jesus does that for us. Jesus does that for us so that we might be shown innocent and blameless before the judge and jury, before Almighty God. See, Jesus took upon himself all the sins of mankind. Jesus took upon himself all that was needed so that we might show true love so that God's love may fill us in such a way that we might impact the world. So he is the ultimate fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Levi. Jesus is that ultimate fulfillment. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. He is that ultimate fulfillment. He is the one. He's our great high priest interceding on our behalf before the Father. He's our representative. He's our go-between. And that's such a joy. Such a joy. Secondly, Levi was a man of godly character. Look with me in verse 5. He says, my covenant with him, this is God talking, my covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave these to him. It's called, it called for reverence. And look at this. And he revered me and stood in awe of my name. He revered me and stood in awe of my name. You know that word reverence or fear is mentioned over 150 times in the Old Testament. And here he places that word reverence and fear right alongside stood in awe. Normally in our culture, our American culture, when you see the words fear and awe in the same sense, it's usually referring to some horror movie or something super scary. But here the Bible places them together so to describe the proper attitude that we must have for God. This reverence ought to cause us to place awe in his name, for his character, for his person, to be in awe of him and what he's done for his holy name. Question, do we really fear God or do we treat him like a plaything? A plaything that we can just pick up and put down when we choose. See, that's what the priests were doing. He was convenient when, it was, when they needed something and when they didn't need it, they just cast him aside. They treated him as holy in awe and in awe when they really wanted him to act on their behalf. And yet, their sacrifices that they made really showed the true case of their heart, what was really going on inside. See, what does that teach our kids about God's character? When we treat him with such disdain, what does that show our kids and our grandkids? and our neighbors and our family about God's character. Oswald Chambers says this, the remarkable thing about fearing God is when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Do you hear that? Oswald Chambers was a great theologian, written a number of books, devotional books. I encourage you to check some of them out. He said, I'll, I'll repeat this again. The remarkable thing about fearing God is this. When you fear God, you fear nothing else. 
Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Write that down. And ask yourself, how much do I really fear God? Because when we have this we have this true fear of who God, of his character, of his name, of what he can do. And under this, not just a fear of like, oh, but it's a reverence. Standing in awe of his name, much like Levi did. God said Levi did. When that is our attitude, we understand that all these other external things that go on around us, we can put them in perspective. We can put all those things in perspective because God's in control. And we understand that. Verse 5 says, Levi stood in awe of my name, and that impressed God. That impressed God. It says, this man honors my name. This man trusts me. This man loves me. This man lifts up my name, because, and it is important to him. And he honors it, and he honors me. He was in fear of God's name. Not the kind of master-slave fear where he's, oh, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. It's not that kind of fear where he's always in fear of whether he was going to have something to eat or whether he's going to be kicked out of, uh, the fa- out of the family or into uh, getting sold to some other family. It's not that kind of fear at all. It's kind of a, a filial fear, the kind that a child has for a father. Kind of where a child looks up to his daddy and says, that man's going to take care of me. That man knows what the truth is. That man will show me the way. That's the kind of fear, the reverence, the respect that we need to have before God. It should fill our hearts this morning and next week and throughout this week as we are worshiping God every single day. See, remember, because worship is not just for Sundays. We come together on Sunday mornings. Maybe you get together during the week with other people at a Bible study, and you can pray together. But it's not just for Sundays. Worship is every day. And as we come before God on Sundays, even online, are we giving Him our best? Are we giving God our very best? See, the priests here in Malachi were not. The ones that Malachi was referencing and God is pointing out, they were not honoring God. They were not trusting God. And God came down on them hard. Their character was lacking. Levi's character, because he trusted and stood in awe of the name of God. God lifted that up. Do we have a healthy biblical fear of God? Do we stand in awe of his authority, his power? His strength, his goodness, his majesty. Remember, the priests did not at that time. And God called them, and God was calling them like Levi before, to demonstrate godly character and commitment to him. Lastly, we see that Levi was a man of godly communication. Now, these last two verses that we're going to look at this morning. Wow. This very convicting. As we see the message that Levi was communicating and how he took it seriously, how serious he took the Word of God. How serious do we take God's Word? Is it just another book? 
Is it just words on a page? Look at how Levi took God's word. Verse 6 says, true instruction was in his mouth. That means that he understood the word of God. He believed the Torah at the time. That's all he had. He had just the written word, just the law. But said true instruction was in his mouth. He was trying to lead his people with truth. And then it says that nothing wrong was found in his lips. Nothing wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and integrity, and he turned many from their iniquity, many from their sins. He was there preaching the word of God unapologetically. He understood that the word of God is infallible, inerrant, and he preached the whole counsel of God's word. He didn't just preach part of it. He preached the whole thing, and he left the results to God. See, we do that. We should be doing that as believers as well. We understand that the word of God is inerrant. It's infallible. It is the very words of God written on these pages for us in English or Korean or Chinese or Spanish or Russian or whatever language you may enjoy reading it in. Our job is to merely proclaim the message. We let God do the rest. We let God work in people's hearts. We let God transform lives. But God says here about Levi, he held this true instruction in his mouth. Literally, he held the Torah on his lips. He held the word of God on his very lips. It says the word helped him to be full of peace and integrity. And his preaching turned many from their sins. Wow. Would that God could say that about me? Would that people could say that about me at the end? That as I proclaim, as I preach, as I share the word of God, not just here on Sunday mornings, but throughout my whole life and throughout the week, that the very words of God are on my lips, always on my lips, ready to go. That I would just be full of the peace and integrity of God. And that because of the proclaiming of the message of God's word, many would turn their hearts from sin and turn back to God. Oh, how I want that. I want that for you. I want you to see the sin in your life, not as this thing that's going to, that, that makes God despise you, but makes God hurt. Makes God hurt when we sin. Because it shows our heart, our, the true character of our hearts, that we're about ourselves. Much like these priests. Much like these priests were all about themselves. As we give in to sin in our lives, It shows that we're about us first, me first. See, ironically here in this passage, Malachi, who is God's messenger, is rebuking the priests who are supposed to be the messengers of God. He's, he said, what are you doing? Here's Levi. The instruction was on his mouth. The very truth was in, on his lips. And then he goes on in verse 7. He says, for the lips of the priests should guard knowledge. The people should desire instruction. From his mouth, because he is the messenger of the Lord's of the Lord of Armies. It says you're supposed to be the messengers of God, and yet the word of God is far from you. They're supposed to guard the knowledge of God's word, but instead they're treating it like rubbish, like trash, like something just to be cast away, like it wasn't important. Second Timothy 1:14 says this: He says, guard through the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that good thing entrusted to you. 
What has been entrusted to us? This. We have been entrusted with God's word. We have been entrusted with the very words of God, the very message of God, his love, his holiness, his grace, his mercy. How do we guard it? By giving it away. We give it away. We proclaim it. We tell others about it. We proclaim the message of God's word unapologetically. Much like Levi did. Unapologetically. This is what God's word says. I know your lifestyle may not match up to that. And I'm sorry. I love you anyway. God loves you anyway. But this is what God's word says. I know that what you're thinking is this and you're giving into the culture. This is what God's word says. Right now, our culture, this world is in full anxiety mode, full fear mode. And they need the comforting words from God's service to help calm themselves down. They need to hear calming words from us to understand that God is in control. God is still in control. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what kind of viruses are going on around us, no matter people are losing their jobs or being laid off, there's a lack of income and people not knowing what, they're going to have toilet paper. God is still in control. We must ask, God, who are you bringing across our path that we can encourage with your word? Who are you bringing across our path physically, virtually, online, in person? Who are you bringing to us that we can encourage with your word? How can we give it away? Maybe it's our neighbor. Is it our kids? If they have questions about what's going on around us. I was talking just yesterday with Regina, how all of a sudden words like coronavirus and pandemic are present in our kids' conversation and social distancing, that new phrase that's come up all of a sudden over the past couple of months. These words we never talked about before, but they're now commonplace in our discussions. Are kids asking questions? Are those coming up in your conversations? Is your extended family asking questions? And are you ready with the peace that God has to offer in his word? Are you ready with the peace that God has to offer in his word? I want to encourage you to turn off Netflix, turn off Hulu, turn off Amazon Prime videos, and be full of this godly communication. Be full of God's word, to let God's word fill you. Turn off all those other things to distract us. I'm personally glad that there's no sports going on right now. It gives me time to spend time in God's word if I take it. If I'm unwise, I can find other ways to fill my time, right? We all can. We can all find ways to waste time. I want to encourage you to find somebody to begin discipling and ask that God bring somebody across your path. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's in person or online. doesn't matter. Ask God to bring you somebody that you can begin pouring your life into so that you're not like these priests who treat God's word flippantly. I'll leave you with one final statement. It's not original with me, but speaks the truth so loudly. So you, when you received Christ, when you became a Christian, the gospel came to you. 
The gospel came to you because it was headed for someone else. It was not supposed to stop with you. The gospel, the message, God's word was not supposed to stop with you. You are the conduit of God's word going in one side, out the other to somebody else. We're the conduit of God. Is this message important enough? Are you proclaiming it? Are you sharing it with others in such a way that they might turn themselves to God? This morning as we close, I want to ask you, how are you treating worship? What kind of attitude do you bring to the table? As we talk about this fresh faith, the Israelites come back, they were lazy, apathetic. Maybe that's your heart this morning as well. Maybe you're looking at God's word and say, I just, I just don't know if I want to be here this morning. Tell God that. He's got big shoulders. I have an opportunity to do that. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're saying, God, I need to give your message, to give your word importance in my life. I need you to bring somebody across my path. I need to bring somebody to me that I can pour into to share the word of God with. To let them know that your message is vital. Maybe this morning, as you're hearing this, you heard about the mediator, the intercessor, and how Christ came to take away our sins. And for the very first time, you realize that it doesn't, it's not a matter of having a whole bunch of sins in your life, but just one will keep you from the blessings of God. And this morning, maybe I'm asking ask you a question. Do you want to give your heart to Jesus today? Do you want to give your heart right now to Jesus? He's here waiting. He's here ready. It's a free gift. I'm not going to force you. Others in the chat room are not going to force you. Those maybe sitting on the couch next to you are not going to force you. Nobody's going to force you. It's a free gift from God to you. This morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray. We call it the prayer of salvation. And this morning, if you desire, you realize that you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do as a sinner to please God. There's no way. And that you want your sins taken away. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. To pray it in your own heart. Use my words. Use your own words. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. As we think about the Easter season coming up and how much God wants to have a relationship with you. Have you bow your heads right where you're at and just repeat these words. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I have messed up. And God, this morning, I want you to remove my sins. Take them away. I acknowledge there's nothing I can do to please you, nothing I can do to justify myself to you. But because of your sacrifice on the cross for me and for everybody here in this virtual community, our sins can be removed. So this morning, Jesus, I commit myself to you. 
I commit to following you the rest of my life. I commit to trusting in you, to believing you, honoring you, and showing awe for you because you are worth it. God, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm trusting you by faith to meet my needs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, once you know that you are a child of God, I'm going to ask one of our hosts to drag over that box and let us know this morning that you, by the raise of the hand there, let us know that you prayed to receive Christ. We want to pray with you. We want to join you in rejoicing together and help you get those next steps in your life. We want to help you get to that next point in your journey with Christ to let you know what you need to do to follow him, to let you know how you can honor him with your daily life, your daily life. Let us join you in that. I'm going to ask our moderators right now to set that up. Let us know. Push a little button says, I raised my hand. And I prayed to receive Jesus this morning. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Church, I love you. We are in time in some great th things ahead for us in the future. We don't said so this is going to be a great opportunity for us to share the message of God's word with all those. You know how many people are going to be tuning in to hear God's word over the next weeks and months through these virtual environments? I can't wait to see what God is going to do in churches, not just our church, but in churches all around this country and all around the world as we fight together and pray together, that God's name will be made great. I love you guys. Thank you so much. See you this week.